Uh, this morning we're taking our Bible reading from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, reading from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and we will commence to read at the verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may, yet, may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and at all other places. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Amen. God again will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. Ask Neville at this stage to come and to make the necessary announcements. and if you're a visitor in the congregation it's good to have you along uh, we just pray the Lord will bless you it's good to have the Reverend Morrow here uh, and his wife with us this morning and uh, we do appreciate him standing in at short notice for the Reverend McIntyre and we're looking forward very much to hearing our brother preach and bring God's word this morning so we do appreciate him uh, being able to stand in today for us do remember the Reverend McIntyre in prayer um, he has a bit of a cold, but he's always conscious of having to meet people at the door and uh, doesn't want to pass on something that you don't want. Uh, so do remember him in prayer, and hopefully he will be back with us uh, very, very shortly, certainly through the week. Now, uh, do remember uh, the meeting this evening at 7 o'clock, the Gospel meeting, and the Reverend McIntyre, or the Reverend Morrow will be here, God willing, to bring God's word. Now at five o'clock this evening, our week of prayer commences, so uh, please come along this evening that bit early, and we'll start our week of prayer, um, and then our week of prayer will run Monday to Thursday each night at eight o'clock here in the back room in the church, and each night we'll have a different uh, point for prayer, so come along please, 
Uh, this evening, we're thinking of the regular ministry, uh, the prayer meetings, the office bearers. We're thinking of our families, our homes, those who are unwell, and those uh, who have been bereaved. And all of these things bring, bring great challenges uh, to our lives. So uh, it's important that we remember the work here, and we're going to do that this evening. And then we have the gospel meeting uh, this evening, then at 7 o'clock. Uh, the Bible clubs continue as normal Wednesday night in Clarmore and Thursday night here in the church. Hopefully the weather has changed now so they'll be able to uh, recommence this week. Friday night youth fellowship and then Saturday uh, for the boys and girls and young people Sunday school exam time. It's that time of the year so uh, I know uh, there's plenty going on in many homes uh, just going through those catechisms so uh, pray for the boys and girls and young people as they uh, go, uh, go over their, their catechisms and their, and their verses, their passages of scripture. Do remember that, please. And do remember this prayer week. I was thinking about it, and it's open to all ages, young and old, each night. There's an opportunity. Uh, sometimes we say, there's nothing I can do. What can I do in God's work? Well, I can tell you if you would come and pray and join with everyone else and seek God's face, uh, there is nothing that can't be accomplished for God. Uh, when, when his people start to pray. So come along and enjoy the fellowship and it'll help you in your Christian walk as well. So do remember the week of prayer. And we have the prayer requests there just at the end of the slide deck. Um, maybe you can slip through to them. Yes, keep going. Just the, the regular prayer requests uh, just uh, for those who are unwell. And uh, there's, a, there's a number of people there in particular uh, that we want you to remember in prayer and I'm sure there are others that you know of that we don't know of or that you're aware of so there are many people who need our prayers so do remember these folks who are unwell in particular I want to just mention um, our faith time meeting that started last night uh, here in the church this is the meeting for the 20s and 30s we had funnily enough about 30 there um, so that was quite uh, unique or whatever. So it was a good, good start to those series of meetings. Those will continue every month, the third Saturday night of the month, God willing. And uh, we have a young man coming next month to bring, a, 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 a bring God's word and his subject is prayer. So prayer is what we're going to be thinking about next week. And we want to thank James who brought a tremendous word last night just from the word of God, thinking about cherishing our Bible as the same way as we cherish our mobile phone so uh, we're glad to get that up and running and please pray for that meeting I have a letter here that I want to read it's from a brother Mr Jim McCluskey and he writes dear Reverend McIntyre I write to you the office bearers members and all at Clocker Valley Free Presbyterian Church simply to express the most sincere gratitude of our family to you all for the most amazing pastoral care warm Christian love and prayerful support that we received when my beloved Edith most unexpectedly went home to be with the Lord just before Christmas. There's no doubt in all our minds that this support helped carry us through what was a very difficult Christmas for the family. Sincerest thanks to all, your brother in Christ, Jim McCluskey. So please do continue to remember Jim and his wider family and your prayers and those other folks uh, who've been bereaved over uh, the recent time uh, do remember them in prayer continue to do that please thank you could i just say it's a joy and a privilege to be here today i got a text from your minister yesterday to see if i was free and i had kept it free and I said, yes, I'm free and I'm coming to hear you. Well, he soon put paid to that. Uh, as you will know that we're still engaged with the Castledurg Church and hopefully soon they will be able to get a minister uh, full time. But I often recall the words of the late Reverend John Wiley. Uh, when he retired, he says, well, I'm just retired as you'd put new tires on a car, and you're always in the boot, uh, ready to be pulled out. So I plan to come here as a listener today, but then I find myself uh, speaking. But thank God for 
the opportunity, and I do trust that your minister will soon be out and about again. And certainly, I have to say to you publicly, I do enjoy his ministry, and certainly the fruits of that are very, very evident. Now, we're going to further sing together the hymn numbered 474. 474. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Can we just bow together again for prayer and then turn to God's Word? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for all your goodness to us, and we thank you for the privileges ours of tabernacling together in this house with thyself, with thy people, and pray that you will write your truth upon the tables of our hearts. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of every heart will be acceptable in your sight. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'd like you to open your Bible with me again at Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul says there in verse 12, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. The things that have happened unto me. And I want to make that the theme of our message this morning. Things that happened unto the Apostle Paul. It goes without saying, of course, that many things happen in the course of all our lives. And sometimes when certain things happen, we're inclined to wonder and to question why. And yet we have always to keep in mind the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called 
according to his purpose. When the Apostle Paul wrote this epistle, he assured the believers there of three particular things. He reminded them in verse 3 that they were always on his mind. He also reminded them in verse 7 that they were in his heart. And he reminded them in verse 9 that they were always in his prayers. That was very, very important because at this particular moment he separated from them. And though he has separated from them, he hasn't forgotten about them, and he hasn't ceased to pray for them, and he's always thinking of them. That is something that is very, very significant and very important to note, because the Apostle Paul at this given moment is now in prison. And you could well imagine if someone is taken into prison that their mind might be focused upon their own situation and circumstances, but that is not so with the apostle. His mind is not on his own particular circumstances, but rather his mind is on the people of the church at Philippi. His present circumstances, why they were anything but pleasant, but the Apostle Paul, as you read through all his letters, you will discover that he was always the master of his circumstances. As a prisoner in Rome, he is concerned about certain things here, and he is concerned lest his imprisonment becomes a stumbling block to other believers. He's concerned that some of them might be offended because of his present situation. He is concerned, says, uh, lest some of them might be tempted to think, well, if the Apostle Paul is the great apostle that we believe him to be, and if he is so great an instrument in the hand of God in spreading the gospel, why would God allow him now to be shut up in prison? He was also concerned lest some of them might shy away from taking their stand as a Christian, lest they also might suffer the same fate as he is suffering and be cast into prison. So, he is writing this epistle to encourage them and to assure them that all the things that have happened unto him they are not a hindrance to the gospel. They are a help to the gospel. Instead of silencing the gospel message, it's actually spreading the gospel message. Matthew Henry says of the matter, it's a strange chemistry of providence to extract so great a good as the enlargement and spread of the gospel out of so great an evil as the confinement of the apostle in prison. When Paul wrote to Timothy, encouraging him in his stand for the gospel, he said about himself that he suffered trouble not as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God he says, is not bound. So the Apostle Paul is cast into prison. They could imprison the preacher, but they could not stop the preaching of God's Word. He says, the things that happened unto me have actually fallen out for the better and for the spreading and furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The things that happened unto me. And I want to consider with you this morning things that happened in the Apostle's life. It's sometimes not a bad thing to pause for a moment in the course of a busy life and look back at the things that happened to you. 
and you will discover as a child of God being permitted by the Lord, they were for your benefit and for your blessing and not for your ill. There are many things that happened to the Apostle Paul, but I want to confine our thoughts to just a couple. One of the first things that I want you to notice regarding what happened to the Apostle Paul was his conversion on the Damascus Road. You see, his conversion on the Damascus Road, this is the result here now. Because his conversion on the Damascus Road and his subsequent stand for the gospel has now brought him into conflict with the authorities of the day, and he's now in prison. But what a life-changing experience that was for Saul of Tarsus. The notorious individual who persecuted the church of Jesus Christ relentlessly is now the great apostle Paul. The persecutor is now a preacher. His experience with God was so revolutionary that he never doubted the reality of what took place that day by the side of the road. He wrote to Timothy, whom he often refers to as son in the faith, because he had the privilege of leading Timothy to the Savior. And he said after that marvelous intervention, intervention of God in his life, he says, I know whom I have believed. And this is the good thing about salvation. And many people, when you speak to them about salvation, they will say, well, I hope so. Friend, Paul said, I know whom I have believed. I wonder, like the Apostle Paul, do you know that you've been born again? Have you had that encounter with Christ? And you know, that encounter with Christ and the life of the Apostle Paul brings him to the events that we have in Philippians chapter 1. Thinking about the conversion of the Apostle Paul, that was miraculous. Of course, let's never forget that every conversion is miraculous. Sometimes we bring someone to the pulpit who has been lifted from a life of drugs and drink and all the rest of it, and we think, what a miracle has taken place. My friend, it takes the same miracle to save a child of three as any drunkard or any down and out. God's grace is a marvel. It's a miracle in all of our lives. It's a miracle that you and I are saved. It was a miracle that John the Baptist was saved in his mother's womb as recorded in Luke 1 and 15. It was a miracle that Saul of Tarsus was converted on the Damascus Road. And I say that, first of all, because of his religious pedigree. And what a religious pedigree he had. If we look over to Philippians chapter 3, It says there in verses 4, 5, and 6, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And he says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning seal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. If any man could be saved because of his religious pedigree, it had to be the Apostle Paul, but no religious pedigree can save anyone. It was not only his religious pedigree, but his ruthless past. Speaking of his past life, he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, he said he was a blasphemer, and he was a persecutor, and he was injurious. In other words, in his unconverted days, the apostle Paul says, I was a dangerous individual. 
He is first introduced to us in the Bible as a young man. A young man at the scene of murder. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 7 and verse 58, regarding Stephen, that they cast him out of the city and they stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So you begin to see something of his past. Now the Bible also says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death, that is Stephen's death. At that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And in verse 3 it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, healing men and women, committing them to prison. And when we go to Acts chapter 9 and the verse 26, it says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he is said to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid. That was because of his past. Because in that same chapter, in verse 1, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, against the disciples of the Lord, went on to the high priest. He obtained letters, giving him authority that he could enter into people's house, houses if they were followers of Christ. He dragged them before the magistrates and the courts of the day and see them cast into prison. He did everything within his power to destroy the gospel of Christ. He was on a campaign of persecution against God and God's people. His birth, his beliefs, and his background drove him onto a head-on collision with biblical Christianity. His conversion was miraculous. But there was a manner of his conversion, too. You see, in Acts chapter 3, it says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And this is the part that always encourages me. Let it encourage you tonight. It says, And suddenly, there are people in the community who have no interest in the gospel. Neither had Saul when he left for Damascus that day. All he was interested in was bringing false charges against God's people, breathing out slaughter against them. And suddenly, at the height of his godless career, God steps in and saves him. It was a miracle. And there may be people in your home, in your family, in your community, and they are not interested today. But always remember that God can suddenly save those people. His conversion was such a miracle and was so sudden that no one believed it happened. Because as we read there in Acts 26, that when he was brought before the believers, they could not really believe. When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he is said to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Such is the grace of God. So we have to be encouraged there. We must never give up on people. We must believe even when there is no seeing and when their heart is at its hardest. Still, we must trust God.
That was one of the great things that happened to the Apostle Paul. It was that great thing on the Damascus Road brings him to the situation in Philippians chapter 1. Because we have not only his conversion there, but we have the conflict that he had to endure as a Christian. Thank God is something we don't know much about in this province. But there are countries in the world where people are still being persecuted, and many people are still being called to be a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have it quite comfortable in this province, and we've got to rejoice in that. But the conflict here is another thing that happened in the apostle's life. You see, becoming a Christian doesn't guarantee that you'll not have a cross to bear or a burden to carry. It doesn't mean that there'll not be difficult times in your life. You see, the things that happened unto Paul were not always as pleasant as his conversion was. We were singing, it's not an easy road, or will be, we're traveling to heaven. Now, thinking about his conflict here, it says in verse 13, so that my bonds He's talking about his imprisonment now for the gospel's sake. And he writes these words from a prison. Being a Christian was not an easy pathway for the Apostle Paul. He who was a persecutor is now being persecuted for the faith that he once sought to destroy. And Christian, everybody in the world is not going to tap you on the back and say, well done, because you're a Christian. There were those who spoke very ill of the apostle, but he saw that as part of the Christian life. Actually, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he emphasizes just how difficult it was for him to be a Christian. The Bible tells us there that he was beaten, that he was stoned, that he was shipwrecked, he was often cold, he was often hungry, he was often criticized. He was not in any prison for wrongdoing. He was in prison for right-doing. And always remember that life has its prisons as well as its palaces. Sometimes we find ourselves with issues that are hard to understand. Things happen to us that sometimes are very difficult. Things that are physical. Some of the best of God's people are dogged with ill health. Things that are material, things that are social, things that are emotional and spiritual, things at times which are difficult to cope with, and we wonder why. But Paul said, things that happened unto him, where for the furtherance and the spread of the gospel. Well, there's many setbacks in the Christian life. There's many difficulties. There's many discouragements. But God gives the needed grace as he gave to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Peter, he wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, think it not strange... Concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, 
as though some strange thing had happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Part of the Christian life. So he's speaking about those bonds. I'm now in prison because he dared to stand up for the Savior. But he also speaks of something else, not only his bonds, but his brethren. You see, in verse 14, he says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, his imprisonment give encouragement and backbone to others to take their stand. But for others, he feared. He says in verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. And he's speaking about a certain group of believers who had taken advantage of his predicament speaking ill of him. He uses the word add affliction, and those words carry the thought of the painful rubbing of chains on a prisoner's wrists and legs, making a situation worse and the worst it could be, knocking him down when he was down, instead of lifting him up in their prayers. There's some of God's people, and they fall upon very hard times financially. And fall upon very hard times regarding their family. That shouldn't be an object of other believers' ridicule. And even when someone feels, the Bible says, ye which are spiritual, we should be lifting up sometimes when a believer feels, why? They become the object of gossip when they should become the object of a believer's prayers to lift them up. So, the Apostle Paul, there were those who were encouraged by his stand, even though it led him to prison. There were others, they took advantage of him, criticized him, and tried to put him further down. But he said, it's one of those things that happened unto me, but it has fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. There was not only his conversion there and his conflict, but let me just conclude with his campaign. Prior to his conversion, he was on a campaign to destroy the Christian faith. From his conversion, he was on a campaign to spread the good news of the gospel. And he must have wondered at times why God even called him to be a preacher. After all, he says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 9, But I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. He says, I'm not worthy of this because of my past life. But you know, God doesn't call the great and the mighty. Just calls you and me. Often encouraged with the words of the Savior regarding Mary, when they were criticizing Mary and Jesus told them to leave her alone because she has done what she could. 
And the apostle is doing what he could for the Savior, but people were knocking that. His campaign was to spread the gospel of Christ. He talks about the furtherance of the gospel. On another occasion, he said, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. He said in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2, He said, For I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul lived Christ, Paul loved Christ, Paul breathed Christ, and Paul died for Christ. You see, for him, it was everything or it was nothing. Hence, he could say, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now the devil sought many opportunities to frustrate Paul's mission and to bring it to an end. And yet he says there's all those things, in spite of the fact that they may have hurt him physically and emotionally in every way, he said, all those things happened unto me. And instead of shutting doors, they opened doors. Instead of being adversaries, they became advantages. And you know, the things that happened to us, folks, and we have to be careful here, they will either make us better or make you better. And the things that happened to Paul didn't make him better. They made him better. After all, God used Moses' rod. He used Gideon's pitchers, David's sling, and he used Paul's chains. And what seemed a hindrance was actually a help. Don't let the things, though they may be adverse, hinder you in your walk with God or make you bitter as a Christian. But rather let those, make, those things make you better as a Christian and more enthusiastic in God's work. The word furtherance, they have fallen out onto the furtherance. The word furtherance there literally means to progress like an army. Paul says, all the things that happened unto me in my life have worked out for the spreading of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His imprisonment led the gospel going into the palace. For, he says in verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. And that word palace actually refers to the praetorium guard, the elite Roman army, the imperial guard of Rome, 10,000 hand-picked men of Italian birth, they were given privileges that no other were given. They received double wages. But when Paul was put into prison, those select soldiers had to guard him. And some of them would have been chained to him. So they had to witness his life and they had to listen to his message. Paul turned his prison into a pulpit. Things that happened to us. And often those things are permitted for our betterment. And that we might be able to comfort others in their affliction. All used to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, folks, what often we think can hurt us can be used of God to help us, to make us better, make us more trusting, more leaning on the everlasting arms. But we must turn our situations and our circumstances into opportunities to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Things that happened unto Paul. Things that happened unto you and me. 
his conversion happened. Friend, has that happened in your life? That's so vital. Other things may have happened since you become a Christian, but they're not God's judgment. And sometimes we look inward and say, well, why does God allow this to me? For our betterment and for the spreading of the gospel. So let us, like the Apostle Paul, accept the things that happen unto us as God's will for us, turn our circumstances into opportunities to live for God and to serve God and to spread his gospel. Look at the things that have happened in your life prayerfully. And I believe you'll see the hand of God for your betterment, for the blessing of others, for the spread of the gospel. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks indeed for all the way the Savior has led us. We thank you for that day you drew us and we followed on, charmed to confess the voice divine. We thank you for the day you saved us, brought us out of the darkness of sin. Many things have happened in our life and we look back and say, thank you, Lord. Even though now we look through a glass darkly, can't understand some of it, yet one day we shall see God's perfect plan, perfect that which concerns each one. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's conclude our service and worship God with our offering. The hymn is 430. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide?
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, rebate, and abide with each one of us this day, then forevermore. Amen.